welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today we're going to San Diego. This is a place I never thought I would be. We'd purchased a boat in San Francisco and had a trip to San Diego and we still had things to do and then we had some visitors. So here's the story of our adventures in San Diego. This episode is brought to you by Pantenius Yacht Insurance. With a charming mix of mega yachts and masquerading pirates on board seven metre sailing ghettos, San Diego is like a melting pot of poverty and prosperity. On the edge of America, with Mexico in sight, here lies the stepping off point for cruisers. San Diego is not a cruising ground as such, with its king's ransom fees and stifling regulations. It is a gateway to the Pacific Ocean. Late in the season, most cruisers are already in Mexico and beyond by now, but a few cruisers lurk mainly small sailboats with no fixed agenda. Vessels that live here are all pristine. The boats set to do miles all wear that comfortable travelled look. Big industries here are manufacturing, military, ship repair and construction. Tourism plays its part, but as boaties there is enough to see of the watery world type. The Navy base is buzzing with activity almost every day. Roaring jets vibrate the boat as they launch into space, on exercise, ready for battle. War roars of planes, ships and helicopters mix with the war cries from the AM-FM radio, provoking thoughts of the terrifying world we now live in. A reason we are here, on board a sailboat, seeking what is good that's left on the planet. On board we have our own situation to deal with, visitors in the form of my parents. Welcoming us all into San Diego, California, the Sunshine State, were five storms in as many days that packed a punch. The surface analysis downloaded from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, painted a sorry tale. Noel and I didn't mind too much. We had plenty to do down below. But my parents had escaped devastating snow that ground the UK to a halt, only to be met with violent storms that never normally happen. It was time to test the theory of a bigger boat coping with guests in a marina. Entrance into San Diego Harbour was spectacular in a peaceful way. Prior to the storm's arrival, the sun shone with its brightest colours. The dolphins skimmed around our bow and an enormous humpback whale swam alongside. Even the aeroplanes departing San Diego's heart looked welcoming as they strained against gravity. The famous cruiser's jungle drums had beat information our way about a police dock, a place to tie up at a reasonable price. 
Prior to the storms, a collection of cruisers had hauled anchor and made for the safety of the dock. Procedure was first come, first served. We were permitted a temporary stay at one of the four pump-out docks to await the inevitable departure of three boats the following day. With an allowance of 10 days in every 40 and around $10 per night for the first five days and $20 per night for the second five days, this place is a bargain. Facilities are basic but usable. Compare these prices with the 2 to $3 per foot per day for the regular marinas, plus electricity, plus Wi-Fi, plus a payment for extra guests. You can understand its popularity. Later though, we, we did sort a marina for a short spell and Shelter Cove Marina looked after us well. The Sunday morning coffee, donuts and bagels were a big hit. Nestled in America's Cup Bay, Noel and I returned to the boat one afternoon to find my parents chatting, unbeknown to them, to a celebrity. Dennis Connor of America's Cup fame. He was the first man to unsuccessfully defend the cup, much to the delight of Alan Bond's Australia too, skippered by John Bertrand. And Australia as a whole. However, armed with numerous successes, both before and after Australia too, he's helped form some fantastic races. Connor is currently spending time with Challenged America, an all-volunteer charitable programme that provides adaptive sailing for adults and kids with disabilities. Thanks for the memories, Noel called out as Connor eased Bequest from her slip. Dennis had watched us take down and service our winches and hinted that he could use that help. We hinted that we could use his maintenance guide too. And that was the end of that conversation. We were surprised that all the marinas charged extra for Wi-Fi. You pay for the convenience, as libraries offer a free internet service. If you make the journey, of course. There are public connections scattered about. Ironically, laundries seem to have the best place to pick these connections up. The laundromat in town had a marvellous connection, which made washing day a positive delight. Back at the marina, I wandered around with the laptop open trying to find a public connection. Eventually I gave up, until we had to do more laundry. In the marina laundry, armed with the laptop to do some writing, because I can't waste a moment, I found that suddenly I had a connection. The laundry became my office, which was actually kind of nice. A warm room, the gentle humming of the machines, clean, fresh smells, and within just a few strides of pie wacket. The succession of lows finally abated and the glorious warm sunny days returned. Harmony was restored on board, shedding any remains of cabin fever. Previous experience of hosting visitors, we found that they prefer to be active and involved. And as we had a boat to, pre to prepare, the activities took the form of work and helping us. The Aries wind vane needed a full service, new bearings and fitting on the back of the boat. Noel and Dad locked themselves into the workshop while Mum and I tackled jobs such as making a new dinghy cover, inspecting the anchor chain and supplying copious cups of tea. 
We did allow my folks some time off in San Diego as it offered a smorgasbord of fun. Point Loma Lighthouse that watches over San Diego's slice of ocean provides informative historical and technical data. It is a reminder of different times of sailing, welcoming sailors for 36 years from its conception in 1855. However, it was situated in the wrong position and fog and low clouds obscured the light, leading to its closure in 1891. Nearby is a fine monument to the 16th century explorer Cabrillo, who stands proudly over the city. The San Diego Boat Show gave us hopeless dreams. Discounts at chandleries, fascinating electric boats, fold-up dinghies and the US Coast Guard were just some of the exhibitors that held our attention, as well as the free beer and chocolate, of course. Sail and motorboats clamoured for favour in the marinas. Visitors climbed on board and we almost dribbled at the mouth-watering new boats. Returning to airboat, Pyracket, we notice how homely she felt, not her vintage. Initially, I couldn't get excited about San Diego. The expense was crippling and there were a few cruisers to discuss plans and potential hazards and procedures with. When mum and dad visit, we live like kings. They want the luxury of a holiday. So marinas and hire cars come via their extraordinary generosity. Driving downtown, the atmosphere tangibly changed in the confines of our metal box, going boringly in the same direction as all the other million or so metal boxes. Cars rule here. If you want to survive, you must have a car. The excitement was caused by reaching the hub of San Diego. Square riggers, Cruisers, ferries and the naval vessels ply the edge of the metropolis with fascinating regularity. The aircraft carrier Midway caught our eye. Her enormous structures shadow the city. We just had to take a look. Viewing the navigation equipment, helm and engine room was our priority. I noted the thick pencil lines drawn on the chart. But I didn't think I ought to comment about this. I'm actually quite fussy about my chart work on, on paper charts. As we weaved through the rabbit warren of low corridors on board, you wouldn't want to be overly tall here, the claustrophobic feeling was a surprise on a vessel so vast. I couldn't help but wonder how many people went missing, simply because they were lost in the bowels of this vessel. Ex-Navy volunteers impart their experience of the ship's operation and equipment. We spent a particularly long time chatting with an eloquent volunteer in the engine room. Below the waterline we inspected, touched and queried and were in awe of the four steam turbine, turbine engines. Dials and operation and the bleak and positively dangerous working conditions these guys were subject to in times gone by. The aircrafts on deck blasted into insignificance in comparative size to the vessel. At times there were over 300 people working on the deck, managing the takeoff and landing. Standing on the deck come runway, 
you can sense a little of the danger, acceleration, a marvel of the ability of their pilots flying both in the flying and sea-going craft. Back to the reality of organising a wee sailboat for oceans. The next day we found ourselves driving on the four-lane freeway at 60 miles an hour, peering through the mist of torrential rain, searching for bottles of gas and stainless steel welding rods. Asking for gas in a bottle in America leads to a confusing conversation. Gas here is petrol. LPG is what we needed to ask for. Despite subtle differences, purchasing a foreign boat has been so much easier than we thought. AMSA, the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, has a great website for studying the intricacies of Australian registration. The registration office itself bent over backwards to aid our request to register Piwacket. We wanted her as an Australian registered vessels. The forms are straightforward and all our queries were answered without delay, all via email. After our chores, we follow a recommendation and visit Scrubs Institute of Oceanography, a remarkable place. Scripps is a centre of ocean and earth science research, education and public service. It claims to be the oldest, largest and most important centre for research in the world. It is also where you can adopt a fish. Alluring us was their fabulous library, encompassing an enormous room that stores every conceivable navigation chart. These are our key navigation instruments. Purchasing more charts was on our to-do list and searching through the catalogues and actual charts was useful in making a decision of what exactly we needed. It also turned our thoughts from completing maintenance to doing the actual miles. We took some time out to visit the aquarium and reacquaint ourselves with what lurks beneath us when we skim the surface of the water world. The seahorses caught my eye with their head like a horse and tail like a monkey and pouch like a kangaroo. More so the pot-bellied seahorse, native to Australia and New Zealand and known for its protruding belly. With the Aries wind vane installed, we found time for more excursions of the not so nautical nuance. Armed with passports and visas, we drove across the border to Mexico, the armed guards giving us no more than a cursory glance. Across the border, you enter a different world. Immigrant hopefuls gather and the results are dramatic. Lacklustre towns adorned with shattered dreams and poor infrastructure. The town vibrates with sadness and criminal activity. We drove for one hour with the doors firmly locked. We were all keen to rush back and return to the Western world. We celebrated our land travel with a sandwich and coffee and drove to the hills. Spectacular scenery helped calm the pumping adrenaline. The recent storms had turned the dusty brown into vibrant green Breathtaking vistas and sweeping roads calmed our nerves. Gum trees fighting mistletoe disease, pepper trees and waffle made us think of home. Now, so close to unbeaten paths, Mexico beckons.
The Spanish we are so desperate to learn flits around our ears, totally alien. Mexican food is tasty, cheap and sold from the curbs in portable kitchens. We have the equipment for learning a new language, just not the time. Considerations of having a learned Spanish book next to the head are discussed. Well, it is the only time we sit long enough to read at the moment. Currently, now, just the two of us again, we're sitting on anchor, awaiting the original Australian registration documents that seem to be lost in the vortex of snail mail. It's 80 degrees, peaceful, and we have constant and free public Wi-Fi. Our days are slowly easing to a job a day amidst the regular chores. We're ready to explore Mexico and let Pyrakit stretch our legs. Itching to get going, it's time to scratch. I hope you enjoyed that visit with us into San Diego. It was a fun time and great memories I have with my parents. Once again, there are many more podcasts and adventures on our website, sistershiptraining.com. There's now a new video podcast and many, many articles. Do pop along and say good day. That's all I've got time for today. And in the meantime, I wish you all safe sailing. <laughs>